morning, everyone. Morning. It's nice. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to see such of a full house. Um, it's nice to just greet new people as I had the opportunity at the beginning of the service. For those that I hadn't got the chance to greet, um, you are very welcome here. Uh, again, some of you are just are in Lisbon or in Portugal as you are uh, taking our vacation time. Others just move and you plan to stay. May this be a house for you um, no matter how much time you spend here. And church, for those who are here, um, make sure you don't leave without greeting um, someone today, a new face today, to um, welcome them with a warm um, welcome. Today we are finishing our series um, on the, the press pause series. And if we are finishing our series, it means that August is coming to an end. It means that probably our vacation is coming to an end and the rush of September is about to, to come. Um, and uh, I hope you prepare for the rush of September for the beginning of new things. But uh, this has been a, a series where we were um, led to... Um, understand the, important, the importance of the intentional pause in order for us to listen to God, in order for us to uh, reflect and meditate on spiritual realities, in order for us to move forward. And today we are pressing pause and praise. The art of deliberate pause so we can expect what's to come. And Ruben, Ruben put it very well right in the beginning. And I, I, I quoted it and I wanted to start it. And he said right in his first message, Sometimes people talk in the hope that God will listen. But our focus should be listening in the, in the assurance that God will talk. And that we pausing um, so that God can talk was itself an act of love. Because we are saying to God, God, you are the, uh, the one who created sun, moons, and stars. By your word, uh, you created the universe, galaxies, the nature around us. By your breath, you gave life. So God, what you have to say is truly important. Because I love you, God. I will pause so that I don't keep talking and talking in the hope that you will listen. God, you, you, you know what I'm going to say before I open my mouth, but I will pause so that I can listen to your word. And I think this links very well with, with, with the, 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 the theme of today because praise, worship, is a reaction. Worship is a reaction. When we truly listen to God, we react. And we react in praise to this God. So that's the definition that I wanted to just kickstart uh, uh, this morning with this. Worship or praise is everything, not necessarily just music, but any expression of, 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 of art, any, any words that come from your mouth, any acts of service that you do, it's a reaction. It's everything that you do as a reaction of what God is, of what God does, of what God speaks. And so as we react, we attribute to Him 
all the honor and all the um, reverence that he deserves. So reformulating a little bit Ruben's idea, I come up with a, a quote for this morning. Sometimes people worship in the hope that God will react. But our focus should be listening to God in order to worship. And I'm going to break down this, this sentence. But I think this is so important for us to understand. And I want to start right away with, with this. What is worship and what is not worship? And many times we, we, we just worship and we feel that the efforts we put in the worship, then God will, will react somehow according to our needs. But worship is not we coming here, entering the courts of worship, and trying to perform or trying to imitate some sort of a mechanical routine that maybe was um, successful in the past here, or that we see someone else, somewhere else, and we're trying to imitate that. Worship is not some sort of put into a box, a Sunday worship experience. Powerful worship is not just when there's the deepest reactions and when there's just emotions jumping around and it's like, wow, now worship is happening, now God is moving. It's not just then. Worship is not self-seeking. Worship is not at all pointed at us. Worship, the lyrics that we sing or the way we worship is not a self-help moment. We cannot look at worship or at God as some sort of an ATM machine where we ask and we will receive. And maybe the more we press, the more we ask, the more we will receive. Worship is not at all some sort of manipulative action. Expecting that the more we worship and the louder we worship and the more we have all sorts of emotions, then God will show up and will do something. And I want to start a bit with this, uh, you know, <laughs> a critical note, but, but just to say because there's just something I, I see so much around, almost it's like tonight God will speak, tonight or this morning God will do something. And we think that the way we get God to react is just, you know, by, by creating something there, by, by creating something there. But we do not worship in order for God to react. But our focus should be to listen to God first. Know God first. Get to know God intimately. Understand Him deeply. And then, then praise will come naturally. And yes, praise will come powerfully as well. I believe there's definitely a place to express our feelings, to express our emotions toward God and acts of praise. And, and big things can, can happen. Deep emotions and expressions, yes, that can happen. As long as we listen to God first. As long as we truly know God and that act of praise comes, has a reaction of who God is. Richard Foster put it then in this way, adoration, worship, praise, adoration is a human reaction to a divine initiative. God seeks us first. God loved us first. God pours out His grace, His mind. God came closer first and then we react with thankful hearts. 
and we have a, had an experience like that. And I wanted to share with you a story of a spontaneous time of worship that I had, um, that I, I, I keep in my memory, and I'll try to go back many times when I, I, I don't worship in that way. So the year was 2015. I was starting um, writing my thesis for university, and that beginning was, was, was quite intense, and I was very overwhelmed, not just by the amount of work that I had, but the, the amount of work that I was expecting to have. There was a mountain in front of me, just the idea of having to write a whole thesis, and all that was very overwhelming. And I used to wake up, and my brain works better in the morning, so there was also a time that I would start my day with a devotional time. But that particular morning, I remember of waking up, and my, my mind was so busy with the amount of things that I had to do, and actually scared with where to start, because there's so much that I, I really felt, I woke up and I want to jump into, into work, and to start doing something, I think I'm going to skip devotional. At the same time, the, the thoughts came, don't you want to start your day with God? No, I, I mean... I can't, I just, I'm not in the mood, I, I cannot start. So I go wash my face, and um, I was living with my grandparents by the time, and I noticed um, the room uh, where they sleep, the, the, the light was on. And I knew my uh, grandfather, he was doing his morning devotional there, because I know he starts with the, his day like that, and he takes proper quality time. And I remember noticing the light was on, and I, and I started to think, wow, someone keeps his time with God no matter what every morning because I see that light on every morning and in particular that morning. Okay, but I'm still not in the mood. I mean, okay, I'll just go have a breakfast, go to the kitchen. And on my way to the kitchen, I see the living room light on and there was my grandmother also with her Bible open and having her time with God. And again, the thought, this whole house is starting the day with God. Pedro, why wouldn't you? So I go back to my room and I, 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 I stopped and I, and I finally said, okay, God, honestly, I'm so overwhelmed. My mind is busy. I really don't feel like, what can I read? It, it will just be dry words, but I'll try, God. I'll, I'll give you this time to you. So I opened my devotional books and um, it was a book by Charles Spurgeon. He keeps uh, uh, every day a devotional based on, the, on a verse, like a promise, and then he develops that idea. And on that day, the verse was in Haggai 2.19, where God just says, From this day on, I will bless you. And God spoke to me in such a way because I've, I clearly understood. God was telling me, Pedro, be still. I will be with you with that thesis of yours. That mountain is not that big. From this day on, I will bless you. Be still. Be with me. And I would not have received that word from God if I had not paused and, and, and read and open the word of God. So God spoke. So God came close. And I just remember reacting in a burst of crying and praise. And I don't know what I said, but I just spent time with God. I reacted to something wonderful. One of those wow times where you felt God spoke. And I'm sure you have those experiences, but I felt those, that was probably one of the best um, worship experiences because it came from a, a reaction to what God has done. And praise is so much of a, a central um, um, part of a believer's life. In the Bible, is mentioned 307 times the word praise the Lord. 
or the expression we know as hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah means to say something good, to honor and admire and express approval towards God. Hallelujah. And so the Psalms, you find the last five Psalms, they are all about praising the Lord. As of a reaction of what was said before in the book of Psalms. So the last Psalms, you'll keep reading the Psalms of all generation, all the nature will praise the Lord. So I want to read you just a little bit of the Psalm 145. I wanted to read it all, but it's quite of a, a big Psalm. So have it on your notes and when you go home, um, just dwell in Psalm 145. But it says in a couple of verses, I will exalt you my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever, because great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure His greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassion, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all His creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. Jumping to verse 18. The Lord is close to all who call on Him. Yes, to all who call on Him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love Him, but He destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord, and may everyone on earth bless His holy name forever and ever. Wow, what a psalm of praise. How do we get there? How do we feel ourselves to the point that we express praise in that way. Remember the words of Jesus. The mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. Or a popular expression of whatever is in the well will come up in the bucket. If your heart, if your well, if inside of you is filled with, the, with, with wonder, is filled with God, is filled to a deep, um, intimate um, love for God, your mouth will speak. It will come up in the bucket. But how do we get there? May we press pause and may we be like Jesus. May we learn from Jesus. Because we see in the scriptures that Jesus, over and over again, he took intentional time away to just be with the Father. To just be with his Father. 
and I put a couple of verses here. First in Luke 5. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and pray. In Mark, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then in Luke, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. So we see that Jesus prayed in the morning as well at night. He prayed before and after great events in this life. For example, this last verse, he was about to choose 12 men who would be very close to him. And he knew that one of them would eventually betray him. But he needed to prepare himself to, be, to train this man for those three years, to, to love them deeply. And what did he do? He spent time with his father. In other, in other situations, when life was unusually busy for example in the first verse the crowds were coming but he often withdrew to a place so that he could pray and be with the father so jesus was able to discern that time alone with god was necessary in order for him to prepare himself for the things that were about to come he knew that time with God was necessary in order for him to praise God when things, victories had just happened, healings and, 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 and time with the crowd and after the sermons. But he withdrew so he could be with the Father and praise him for what just happened. And he knew he needed to be and to spend time with God when things were getting very busy and dangerously out of hand. So Jesus pressed pause button and he spent time with his Father. But why? Why that need? Did Jesus, did Jesus really need it? Why did God ask something like that of his own son, Jesus? And why does God ask that of us? If God knows what we are going to say, to pray, to praise before we open uh, our mouth, why does God ask us to spend time, to press pause and spend time with him and praise him? Is God so self-centered? Is God so arrogant that He asks for His creation to spend so much time with Him? Is God so arrogant that He asks His Son to spend so much time with Him? And I found the beginning of an answer to these questions in a sermon by John Piper. And he says, What if, what if admiration, praise, to God what if admiration was the highest pleasure and what if God were the most admirable thing in other words if God is the most admirable being wouldn't he summoning us wouldn't he beckoning us wouldn't he challenges us to spend time to admire him would not be actually called arrogance, but actually would be called love. Don't we praise, don't we admire whatever we enjoy? If we watch a good movie or a good series, I love good series. I'm quick to tell someone about the series I've, I've just been watching and how, how good it is. 
if you, if, you, if you eat a good meal, if you get to know Don for some time, you will hear him some talking about his picanha, you know. He will he'll praise his picanha moment because he likes it and he admires it. If you watch a good concert or if you, like, or if you had a good travel experience, wouldn't you be quick to, to admire it, to applaud it, to praise how delightful that experience was? And that's good and that is natural. So what if God is the most admirable person? And what if admiration is one of the deepest longings of our heart? Not to be admired, but to admire something. Then how liberating, how freeing, how selfless pleasure is to have our heart drawn out before an admirable and beautiful person. God loves us so much that He understands that the completion of our joy comes when we admire Him. The completion of our joy comes when we understand Him and the more we understand, we will react in worship. And that is called love. God calls us to be with Him because He loves us. And Jesus... Being part of that intimate circle with God, he knew that. He understood that. And we see that example in his lifestyle. The admiration of his father fooled Jesus' life every day. May we be like Jesus. May we press pause. May we understand who God is. May we understand more what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about. And that will lead to true, powerful praise. And if we enjoy the Lord, bragging about Him, saying something good about Him, will not be hard for you. But if we don't enjoy the Lord, if our focus is in something else, and in something else only, then praising the Lord will be something difficult. So Tim Keller put it this way. You don't get to decide to worship because everybody worships something. The only choice you get is what to worship. And he draw this, this quote from a novelist, David Foster Wallace, not, before, not long before his suicide, he wrote these this words, everybody worship. And the only choice you get is what to worship. And then he said, and the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type of thing to worship is that pretty much everything else will eat you alive. So he said, if you worship money, then you feel you'll never have enough. You'll never feel you'll have enough. If your focus, if the object of your worship is your own body, is your beauty and sexuality, then you will eventually or always feel ugly and not good enough. And when the age starts to kick in, even worse. If your focus, if your worship is power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid and you will need even more power in order to numb your own fears. If your focus, if your worship is your own intellect, you probably be seen by smart from the others, but you will end up feeling maybe stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. And then David Foster Wallace ended 
like this. And the subtle thing about these forms of worship is that they are unconscious. They are default settings. I don't know if in the end of this life he ended up understanding or not. But he shares with us that these subconscious things, the way we so easily lean towards, the things we um, focus on. And I mean, money, uh, body, the beauty, power, they are not in, in itself, they are not wrong things. But if they are the object of our worship, then they will eat us alive, he says. But what if the object of our worship is the most admirable being. The one who breathed life. The one who gives life. The one who gives eternal life. Will that not give us life instead of destroying it? Can I suggest then that we have to be more intentional to press pause. More intentional to fight our own default settings but admire the excellence of our Lord praise will follow naturally the Lord is righteous in everything he does he is filled with kindness the Lord is close to all who call on him yes to all who call on him in truth so let's be very practical as I start to conclude this message, this message. What are some practical steps we can take in order for this process of intentional pause and praise can happen more effectively, effectively in our life? The first point should then be very clear by now. May we practice the presence of God daily as Jesus did. May we set aside private times in our, in our day to just be with the Father, to, to, to thanksgiving Him, to give Him silent confession, to take times of worship. Maybe we set times to, 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 to do more of our own Bible study, to give our undivided attention to Christ. And all of these things will heighten our own expectation to then when we come to the house of God and to worship together. Because the worship on Sundays, the time on Sundays, is just a continuation, is an intensification of, of what we were already doing throughout the week. Number two, try to live different experiences of worship. Again, worship is not just the singing art. But may we live different experiences. May we, may we express in different ways. Leanne was sharing the, the, other, the other week how she uses her diary to write down uh, her, her praise, her praises. I know Jode does the same. And sometimes it's, they, they enjoy to go back and read what was written and, and be encouraged by, by those moments. But try to experiment other ways to ex experience worship and not just depend on music. Try to do that by yourself or try to do it with other people. Join two or three people. Don't need to be a big gatherings and enjoy in, in your own home and have a time just, just a worship night, just a worship moment together. 
where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, I will be there. And things can happen. God can talk in, 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 in small settings. And sometimes not to talk in the same way into your heart in, in bigger settings. Try to experience different ways of worship and with groups as well. Three, discover ways to prepare yourself for the community worship on Sunday. And I learn and I like to say, and it's easier to say than, than actually doing, but our Sunday service starts Saturday night. Go to bed earlier and have a personal time with God. Examine yourself and confess what needs to be confessed. Go over hymns, go over songs, go over the notes you took last week and, and, and meditate on that. Especially if you, if you are on, on the series of message, go read what, what has been said. Prepare yourself on Saturday the night before. Don't go to bed at 3 or 4 in the morning and then having to come on, on Sunday morning and, and being so much difficult. That moment starts before and when you come, you will continue uh, your time with your community, with your family. And when you do meet together, may you be willing for a communal experience. In other words, don't just come together so that you can be the focus of it. Don't just bring your own agenda, your own issues, your own, your own worries or your own desires to be blessed when you are in the community. The language of fellowship in the gathering is not I, but it is we. So come to a community to bless others, to pray for others. And I read, have I ever prayed, for example, have I ever prayed for the pouring of spiritual gifts that won't come necessarily to me, but it might come to my brother or my sister, if that's God's will. Have I, do, do I place my thoughts when I worship together on the other people as well, or am I just concerned uh, with myself may it be may we be willing for that communal experience as we are all children of God number five and I, I wrote it this way learn to offer that sacrifice of praise and why do I what do I mean by learning is that in many occasions you will not be in the mood to praise we are not just robots that we say, now it's time to, to praise, now it's a time to be together, and we switch. Sometimes what has happened in the past few months, what, what had happened in the previous week or in the previous day, something disappointed us, and we honestly wouldn't feel or see the point of now worshiping to God. That can happen. And to me, honestly, I say I don't always feel like just worshiping or even when i have to lead worship sometimes i don't just always feel like leading worship on that day but i have come to learn and i just told of that personal experience and i've come to learn that it's on those times that i have to kneel down before the lord even harder and i have to pray lord i do not feel like worshiping but I still want to dedicate this time to you. It belongs to you. Who you are, God, 
does not depend on my circumstances. You are still who you are. It's in seasons of afflictions that we have to sing louder. Press on seeking the Lord. And may we learn how to do that more and more. So in conclusion, what are then fruits of that praise? What are then the fruits of that time where we press pause, where we intentionally seek the Lord, we learn from the Lord, and we praise together? And three more bullet points, and I promise I will finish. But praise starts with that holy expectation, and it has to end with holy obedience. When you stand before the eternal God, something has to change. If, if, if you praise, if you worship God, if, 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 if worship does not compel you to, obe to be more obedient, then true worship did not happen. Number two, grudges, unforgiveness, Stubbornness, inflexibility, they cannot be held in the same way once you've been in true worship. And remember the words of Jesus. He says, leave your offering in the altar and go forgive your brother and your sister. Change happens where we are in the presence of God. Change happens when we understand the God, uh, God deeply. And change happens when we praise God. And third and last, authentic adoration serves as a necessary drive for us to engage more in the mission of Jesus on earth. Time with God fooled Jesus on his everyday life. Authentic adoration will drive us to fulfill the mission of Jesus on this earth. Remember that story of when Isaiah had the vision of the Lord in his throne. And he was in, wonder, in awe and in wonder of who God is in all his glorious power. And then God asked, who shall go? Who shall I send? And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Because I've, I've experienced who you are, God. And I've come to react praise so as the worship team comes I would like you to close your eyes and I would like you for a moment to just take some times and and we will sing um, soon and we'll have some more time together to praise but I would I would like you to take some time and um, just to focus on God In the last worship night, a couple of months ago, uh, we actually invited Riverside um, uh, Cascais to come. And it was an afternoon where I was back and forth before the rehearsal, just trying to get the things sorted. So that when the worship night happened, I was, my mind was so busy, so not there, that when they started the first couple of songs, when Angela was leading and she was starting uh, ministering, I was, I was just not there and I was... 
trying hard to understand why was I was not just able to, to focus enough and, 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 and be there. And I asked God, but it, it seemed like a dry prayer. And I said, God, what can I do? I, 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 I help to prepare a worship night, but I myself, I don't feel I can be worshiping here. And then God reminded me to not look at the lyrics at all. But God just said, look at me. And I remember the words of my mouth could only be you. As I was expressing, it's you, God. It's you. It's all about you. Everything comes from you and everything is going to you. It's you, you. And I could not stop saying the word you as I was just trying to look at God. And God moved in my heart that night. And our prayer, my prayer and our prayer as a church is that may we be a church, may we be a community that expresses more of you, God, than I, Pedro. Take time to think about God. Take time to think about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take time to think about the grace of God, the justice of God, the righteousness of God, who God is, and react in praise and in worship.